0: We went fishing in Pensacola and we caught some shark, me and my son Christian. And I thought, why not try clear water? We're going to catch something. Well, we got a, a sunburn and it was hot. And I realized very quickly we were catching nothing, and it was very discouraging. And the guy standing next to me just kept on catching one fish after the other. And I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? I do not like this man. And he had a couple of pulls, and when he walked away, I wanted to just grab one of them just so I could feel the fish on the end of the line and pull it in, just because I was catching nothing. And then I realized something. When I looked in the bucket, I realized he's catching fish. Because he had the right bait, and the bait I had wasn't the right bait. I brought bait to the ocean that you use in a lake. For a matter of fact, I had this idea. I went to Walmart, and I was getting some things together, a couple of hooks. We were going to rent our poles, and I said to Christian, I got an idea. Catfish love liver. Shark will love liver. They got to love liver. I mean, so let's get some liver. And he said, I don't think it's going to work, Dad. I said, just trust me. It's bloody. It's nasty. It's smelly. They're going to go for it. So I had liver, and this other guy had shrimp. Mine wasn't working. And immediately at that moment, I realized it's because I'm fishing with the wrong bait in the wrong location. Because a lake has catfish, the type of catfish that bite this specific bait, but this ocean does not. Then it hit me. It was such... A clear reality of Satan. He works exactly the same way. Just like a fisherman. He has a specific way to hook people. He knows exactly what we're going to bite onto. Because that's the way he works. He knows exactly where to go and when to do it. And how to do it and what lures to use to do it. I wanted to bring a visual and give you a kind of an idea. I want you to focus and have let your imagination go wild for a little bit. It's okay to use your imagination. I know social media has robbed you of your imagination, and but that's okay. Let's try to use it for a minute. I believe Satan does, symbolically speaking, have a tackle box full of lures that he uses against us. And every one of those lures are represented by a temptation. And those temptations are distinctly different than a trial. We're all going to go through trials. Everybody's going to go through a trial. And I realize everybody's going to go through some temptations. But trials, are de- they're designed to develop you. But a temptation is designed to defeat you. That's the whole purpose of a temptation. A temptation is an open invitation for you to rebel against God. And it limits you and your uh, capability to bring glory to God. And every one of these lures and temptations that ha- Satan has are designed specifically for each victim. I use the word designed intentionally because uh, that's exactly what I think Satan's done. I believe Satan has worked very diligently and very hard to design his temptation, if you would, the lures that he's using against you, specifically according to your character. I don't know if you realize this, but you, you need to pay attention. It's important to understand this. He knows everything about you. You say, well, how is that possible? He's one individual. Because it's not Satan himself. He, he has no concerns with you. He has bigger fish to fry, if you would. The reality is, with, when it comes to you, the very imps of hell have been designated to the individuals. It's called spiritual warfare. This is not a movie. This is not a fairy tale. This is not some fictitious idea that I come up with. This is a reality. And each one of those, in this spiritual warfare that we're experiencing, have focused on their uh, given individual to learn, to study, to understand. I believe they know your likes, your dislikes, they know your triggers, uh, they know your desires, they know your weakness, they know your family history. They know if your father dealt with alcohol or pornography. They know that. They know it because they realize that you may deal with the same thing. They understand you. So through that understanding, they begin to develop these temptations and these lures. This is nothing new. In order to understand how to win a war, you have to understand your enemy in order to win that war. In Vietnam, they had to understand the Vietnamese and how they worked through the jungle and the way they thought, their, their thought process was. And, and, and that was important for that war, and it's important for any type of war. And when it comes to spiritual war, it's the same thing. We have to understand that Satan is our enemy and he has studied us. He understands us. And so with that, I think of a fish and how a fisherman has to understand what he's fishing for. I love bass fishing. Ever since I was a kid and grown up in Alabama, that the tournaments in Alabama are intense. They're amazing when it comes to bass fishing. I learned as a young child how to catch bass because my dad taught me. He said, you have to understand the thought process of a bass. So there's a specific time you go fishing. It's either early in the morning or toward the evening. The water needs to be warm. It can't be cold. You need to find an area in the water, if you can, where it's kind of shaded, maybe some limbs laying in there, and you need to use specific bait to catch, to catch the bass because they're not going to go for the same bait that a catfish is going to go for. They're They're different. They think different. And the same goes for Satan, symbolically speaking. He knows exactly the way you as a Christian think. Even those that are not Christians, but we're unique. We're different. So he works differently with us. Y'all follow me? Everybody with me so far? I didn't lose anybody. This is simplistic, but it's important. So there's a progression to temptation. And if you don't understand temptation, you're not going to get anything I'm saying. There's a progression to temptation. And what I mean by that, according to James, I think he sums it up. He he gives a clear picture of Satan's method of temptation and how he finishes the job and hooks people. In James chapter 1 and verse 14 and verse uh, 15 as well. But every man, every man, every woman, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and entice, in verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And when sin, when it is finished, it bringeth forth death. Now watch, this is temptation. The word entice is in in, in direct reference to a lure, something that's appealing, attractive. The same concept as a fisherman, using a lure to attract a fish. It's the same idea. It pulls them in, it persuades them, it attracts them, it lures them. And so that entice is represented there. And then the lures them to a place visually appealing, which is lust. Is everybody there with me? You, fo- you focused? And then the fish finally reaches in to take the bait, the lure. And when he bites, we see that lust hath conceived. I'm being symbolic between the fisherman and the fish and, and the picture that James has given us. Follow me here. Lust hath conceived. And when that happens, you're hooked That's sin. Y'all with me? That's the way temptation works. And by the way, temptation is not a sin. Giving into temptation is a sin. Make sure you understand that. And it is sinful to put yourself in a place of temptation, intentionally tempting yourself. That's wrong. And then the verse says, And when sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. That is when Satan has got you. He doesn't catch and release. He holds on to what he catches. He's in it for the keeps. That's when you're hooked that's when you're addicted, that's when you're trapped, that's when you're defeated, that's when you've given in to the temptation. Now, Jesus dealt with temptation. We saw the account of Jesus dealing with Satan and temptation in the book of Matthew chapter 4, and in the book of Luke chapter 4, we see it again. And, and, and we learn how Jesus dealt with temptation in light of his humanity. He was 100% man, 100% God, yet without sin, and he had to deal with temptation just like everybody else. And and, and I want to walk you through Jesus' encounter with Satan and examine Jesus' temptations and how they relate to us and how he was able to reject those temptations, all right? There's a way he did it. So in order for us to do that, we need to back up a little bit before we look at how Jesus rejected those temptations. And we need to look into the box of Satan, the tackle box. We need to look really close what's in there and how he works. So we need to understand that Satan has a plan. And it's well laid out and he's going to hook you and his intentions is to hold on to you as long as he possibly can. I believe Satan's methods are the same as a fisherman's. And I know I'm being symbolically here, but I want you to understand that the same way a fisherman has his favorite lures and his method and his way of catching fish, so does Satan. But there's a specific way in which he does it. He has some favorite lures. He does. I believe that. I have a favorite lure. I brought it with me. It's just a grub. I, behold the lucky lure. Yes, Ellie knows. I love this lure. I lost it and bought another one just like it because every time, if I go at the right time, I'm going to catch a bass. I've had a lot of victims hooked onto this. I've been the winner a number of times. It's my favorite lure. But we have a misunderstanding of Satan. We think that Satan has this elaborate lure. Would you grab that lure for me? He has this elaborate lure. He has big, huge, massive ways of pulling us in. And I, and I know this is a crazy uh, visual, but I think it's something we should consider. This is kind of the way we look at Satan. We think Satan's got something out there that's so big and so elaborate. That's the only way he's going to pull us in. But it doesn't work this way. Is everybody still with me? This is not the way Satan works. I want you to remove that. Satan works in a unique, specific way. And I believe the way he works has not changed for thousands and thousands of years. I believe that Satan has three unique lures of temptation that he uses against mankind. All of them are found in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. So I need you to perk up and pay attention. If you got your Bible out, look with me. If you don't, uh, I, I, I want you to get your phone out. I want you to pay attention to every word that I'm about to read. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16. For all... That, the, that is in the world. Let me pause there. For all that is in the what? World. Say it one more time. World. 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 Everything that's in the world. Everything that's in the world is summed up right here. The lust of the flesh, lure number one. The lust of the eyes, lure number two. And the pride of life is not of the Father, which means God, but is of the world, which represents Satan. Satan has used these lures from the beginning of time, dating all the way back to Adam and Eve, these same three lures. He was so confident in these three lures that he pulls them out in the New Testament and uses them again against Jesus. Now watch. If you go back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter three, we see these lures being used. This is when Satan tried it for the first time. I remember when I tried my lucky lure for the first time, I said, it's just not going to work because I was on the phone with my brother, Denny. I was on a little paddle boat. I was FaceTiming Denny, actually, and Denny said, what are you fishing with? And I showed him. He said, man, that junk ain't going to work. Dad always went fishing with that. That stuff never works. And bam, I caught one. I'm like, yeah, it does. I'm sold. This is what I'm going to use because one after another, I was catching fish. But in the beginning, I was a little discouraged because I wasn't sure if it was going to work. So here we are in the Garden of Eden, and there's Eve, and she's standing at the tree, and she's debating whether she should move forward, get a little closer, and then all of a sudden, three lures drop in front of her, and this is what happens. According to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 6, the Bible says, And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, boom, lure number one, the lust of the flesh. "'And that it was pleasant to the eyes,' "'lure number two, the lust of the eyes. "'And a tree to be desired to make one wise,' "'lure number three, the pride of life. "'She took of the fruit thereof and did eat,' "'she's hooked, "'and also gave unto her husband with her, "'and he did eat,' And he was hooked as well. The three lures of temptation that Satan uses against us are all found right here in this passage of Scripture. And so after that, Satan realized very quickly, this is the method I'm going to use against every single Christian and child of God. And if you're not aware of it, you're going to get hooked by it. So I'm going to show you exactly what Scripture says according to this passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 4, and how Jesus recognized it for what it was, and next week we'll come together and we'll evaluate how Jesus rejected the temptation. So we look at the temptation today, and then we look at the rejection next week as we go through this series called Don't Take the Bait. Now look at with me in Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. Wow, there's a direct encounter with Satan. Jesus is face-to-face with Satan. And Jesus being full, verse 1, of chapter 4, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's important to understand. Don't forget that word, Spirit. In verse 2, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days, he, did not, he didn't eat anything. And, and when they were ended, afterwards, he was hungered. He was hungry. He was very hungry. I can barely go a day without eating. So fasting is difficult for me. It's a challenge. 40 days, I can't even begin to imagine And so Satan shows up in verse 3. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone to be made bread. This is the lust of the flesh. That's the first lure. And Jesus answered him, saying, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5. And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world. In a moment's time, I can't imagine that. In one moment's time, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world at that specific time in history. And in verse 6, "...and the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me. And to whomever I will, it can be given." I have the authority and the ability to give this power and this authority to anybody I wish to give it to. If, verse 7, thou wilt worship me and shall be thine. Everything will be yours. Just worship me. It's as easy as that. There's a catch there. This is the lust of the eyes. And so... Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. He's getting firm. He's getting strong. Get behind me, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. But it doesn't end there. There's a third lure. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. This is about 200 feet into the air. And said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from thence, For it is written, that the angels will take, take charge over thee to keep thee. In verse 13, excuse me, verse 11, And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. In other words, you're not going to die. <laughs> Cast yourself off this building, and the angels will catch you. They will protect you. They will deliver you. And then Jesus responds because this is the pride of life, the lure of the pride of life. And Jesus answers and responds this way. It is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And when the devil had ended all the temptations, he departed from him for a, what is the word? Season. Season. It's not over. You say, well, I just got victory today. Hallelujah. Good for you, sister. But it's not over yet. Because if, if, if Satan... It wasn't done with Jesus. He's not done with you because the temptations are going to keep on coming. Are you all following me? So where are we at? Well, we're looking directly inside this tackle box of Satan. And I love this because it's simple. And some of you are thinking, get to it, man. We got three points in a poem. We don't have a poem, but we do have three points because there's three lures. And I'm going to get to it because it's very simplistic. The first lure is the lust of the flesh. It's in verse 3. I want to pull this out, and I know there's nothing special about what I'm pulling out. These are just simple lures, but I feel as if they're very symbolic. Each one of these are very intentional in their design. The first lure that Satan presents is this specific lure that he presented to Eve, and now he's presenting to Jesus, the lust of the flesh. And the devil said unto him, "'If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made into bread.'" Satan's challenging Jesus to remove his hunger and satisfy his flesh. This is the first lure, the lust of the flesh. Now, I could imagine that Jesus could justify turning a stone into bread and munching down on it. I mean, he's went 40 days without food. I would be thinking to myself at that moment, why not? I have the ability and the power to do this. For a matter of fact, I can take a bunch of rocks and I can make a T-Bowden steak. I can make a big glass of iced tea. I can have some bread and a side salad. In my mind, that's the way I would be thinking. But in the mind of Jesus, it wasn't that way at all because he understood what was going on. Jesus could have justified exactly what was taking place by moving forward and turning this rock, this stone into bread, but he didn't. And here's the reason why. He was paying attention to each word that Satan was using. Now watch. Listen, listen to the words he used. If thou be the Son of God. When Satan tempts us, it always comes with question. Now, just as he did at the beginning with Adam and Eve. Remember this. If you go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3, he said, did God really say you must not eat from the tree of the garden? Did he really say that? Now watch It wasn't that Satan didn't understand that Jesus was the Son of God. He wasn't like, if you're the Son of God, then do this. No, it wasn't that at all. He understood the deity of Christ. He knew that Jesus was the Son of God. That was nothing new to him. He was provoking Jesus to question his ability, his power, and opportunity. He does the same with you and me. We can easily justify giving in temptation when we start to question. Are you all with me? When we start to question all the reason why it would be okay. Justification of sin is the first step of giving in to temptation. You all follow me? Let me paint the picture. Often we find ourselves in situations when we're tempted And the lust of our flesh, and our flesh is raging, and we're on that edge, and we're about to make a decision, and we're debating whether we should, and we're questioning, and those questions come often from Satan. And this is the way it works when we're dealing with anger issues. And we're just about to lash out, and we're thinking to ourselves, should I say this? I want to say this. I should say this. I have every right to say this. You are finding yourself in a position of questioning. And when you start questioning, you start considering. And then the next thing you know, you lash out. And you say to yourself, that's okay, she deserved it. My wife was out of line. I had to put her back in her place. And you provoke your kids because you yell and scream and you say, it's okay because my mom and my dad yelled and screamed at me and I'm just doing what I know to do. It's okay. My wife is held back some sexual things that I deserve, and so I'm angry, and so I'm going to dive into pornography. I deserve this. Oh, it got real, right? Yeah, you all with me? When you're alone, and you're depressed, and you're frustrated, but you feel like your wife doesn't pay any attention, and then all of a sudden that girl that's a brunette at work wants to grab some lunch with you, and you're thinking there's no harm in this. Is there harm in this? I don't think there's harm in this. I mean, at least she's paying attention to me. Question, question, question. And next thing you know, you're justifying and justifying and tempting and giving. And you're with her. And one thing leads to the next. And before you know it, the lure's there. It's the the lust of the flesh. And you begin to give in. Sometimes these lures seem simplistic, like, Man, that's a great movie. I don't see any harm in watching that movie. I mean, there's only three sex scenes. What's the big deal? I know a lot of people that have watched that movie. I know a pastor that watched that movie. I mean, they just curse God to hell by using the words GD. That's okay. No, that's not okay. But in your mind, you're thinking, it's okay. This is just a little profanity, just a little nudity. What's the big deal? I mean, it's entertainment, right? Do you find what you're doing? It's called questioning i do it with catfish i do it all the time when i go fishing this is the way it works i will present that catfish with a number of different bait so in the evening on the dock where i go this pond the water is crystal clear and i can see these big catfish swimming up right (laughs) and i'm thinking to myself i'm either going to use liver which didn't use, I, I didn't work in the ocean, or I'm going to use a hot dog, or I'm going to use bread, because they love all three. It just depends on what mood they're in. So I put a hot dog on the end, and I put it right in front of his face. And I see, I see him coming by, and literally they'll bump it with their nose. They just they get that close. They're considering. Y'all following me? It's the same thing that happened with Jesus. He put it right before him. Now, back up a little bit. Before they even consider, there's a consistency. You see, I'm going to stay on that dock and keep on and keep on and keep on until I figure out what's going to bite. What is he going to bite? So I I put a liver on there. and liver ain't going nowhere. They're nasty anyway. And finally, I go to the winner. It's the bread. I make a bread ball, and I put it on the end, and I know before that bread falls off that hook, he's going to bite. And the reason why is because there's consistency With what I'm doing. Now watch. If you look at the beginning of the passage of Scripture, Jesus was tempted for 40 days by the devil. It wasn't just at the end of the 40 days. It was throughout the 40 days. There was a consistency. Not only that, there was not just consistency. There was a consideration. If thou be the Son of God. He was provoking him to question. And that's exactly what the catfish did. Question. Should I take this? If I move a little bit too fast, The catfish would swim off. I'd have to wait. It'd come back. And finally, the last one is there's a consumption. Bam! They bite it. And when they bite, it's hard. They're squirming. They're swimming away. I'm pulling it in. I'm so excited because they took the bait. And it always works the same way, the same with you and me when it comes to the lust of the flesh. There's this consistency of temptation by Satan. And then there's this consideration whether we should take it or not because our flesh is so consumed and excited about the idea. And then we do it and we consume it and then we're hooked by it. And then the next thing we know, everything starts to shake and come apart because the lust of the flesh lure has been locked into our jaws, spiritually speaking, and we are caught. Let me tell you. Satan can get if he can get you to consider taking the bait, eventually you will take the bait. Now, what was the big deal with Jesus taking a stone and turning it into bread? What what would've been the problem with that? Let me explain why it's a problem. And it applies to us as well, even though we can't turn stones into bread. Just think this way. There's there's a couple of reasons why turning the stone into bread and eating it would have been a sin. One of the reasons why is because he would have done Satan's will over his father's will. Do you understand? His father's will was to be in the wilderness without food for 40 40 days. That was the father's will. It's easy in life to do it our way instead of God's way. Our will instead of God's will. And that's the lust of the flesh. We consume it upon our flesh. We want to do it our way. Our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. Y'all following me? And so when we do it God's way, we'll realize very quickly His will is better because the world will pass away, according to 1 John 2, 17. And the lust of the flesh thereof, it's going to eventually pass away, but the will of the Father never does. Now, perk up a little bit, y'all with me? There's another reason why He can't do it because it's sin. It's sin. And this is the reason why It's sin he would have satisfied his desires his way instead of God's way. He would have did it his way instead of God's way. We all have desires, right? You know, most people want to get married. They want to have a family. Most people want a nice car. And we could do all of those things our way or God's way, right? We could be patient and wait, trust Christ, don't get overwhelmed, and, and, and if you're not careful and you jump and you say, well, I'm going to buy that, I'm going to buy that forty thousand dollar car even though I can not afford it, you know, you just did it your way instead of God's way. You say, well, I'm in this relationship and she's so good looking and he's so funny and this and that. I just, I just want somebody. I'm so lonely. I'm so lonely. You just don't understand, Dave. Yes, I do. I didn't get married until I was twenty three. I get it but I wanted God's way not my way because I wanted to stay married y'all following me? it's so easy and when you take that bite and you get hooked it's all downhill and so there's this reality there but there's a second lure and it's found in verse 5 it's the lust of the eyes and the devil took him up in this high mountain and he showed him all these kingdoms of the world in a moment's time and he said listen Everything you see is yours. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Satan knows exactly what triggers us. He knows what attracts us, sinfully speaking. Jesus, in a moment's time, could have claimed his kingship. He could have stepped out and said, I'm going to take it. I'm going to do this because I can become the king, an earthly king, and I can bypass maybe the cross and all the circumstances involved in that and take this position now. This is very important to understand. If Jesus would have done that, it wouldn't have just been him bowing the knee to Satan. He would also bypass the very thing he was called to do, and that was to go to the cross. He knew in the foreknowledge of Jesus, he knew that Judas would probably debate, which he did, whether Jesus was going to be a heavenly king or an earthly king because Judas wanted the job done. Let's, over, let's overthrow the Roman Empire. Let's do this. The Jews wanted him to be the earthly king, and in that moment, Satan knew this is appealing. Why don't you just do this? We don't have to go through all this garbage for the next three and a half years. You don't have to be persecuted. You don't have to win over the Pharisees. You don't have to do any of this. Listen to me. Look out there. Look at, use your eyes and see what I'm showing you. The kingdom is yours. The lust of the eyes. At that moment, that lure became maybe appealing to us, but not to him. The lure is attractive because visually it offers this lure of the lust of the eyes because it offers what we could have as a possibility of a happy life. But it's a lie. You ever heard your mom say, the grass is not greener on the other side. It may look greener, but it ain't greener. It's not what you think. This lure represents that mentality that we think it's better to do it this way. It's going to be better for me. It looks good. Samson did that. He said, get her for me short, because she pleases me. She looks good. I want this, but it never ended well. The lust of the eyes. So when I was in uh, fishing in Florida, the guy that was next to me, again, he's just catching fish one after the other. And I'm thinking to myself, how, how is this possible? And I realized very quickly that he was using um, shrimp. It was dead shrimp, but he was using shrimp. And some of it was alive, but the majority of it was dead. And he said, you know, this works. If you want to catch this particular fish, you've got to use shrimp. And I said, I don't have any shrimp. And he wasn't going to loan me any shrimp. So I was like, okay. While we were at Walmart, for whatever reason, Christian decided to buy some fake shrimp, this lure. It looked just like shrimp. And I'm like, you know what? Let's give it a shot. So I I put it on my line. I threw it out there. I was doing everything he was doing. I'm reeling it in. He's reeling it in. He pulls a little bit. I pull a little bit. I know I looked like a weirdo. And every move he made, I made because I'm mimicking him. I want to the, the practice his method. And boom, one bit. He took it on. But before he did, I, it's at night. You can see the light shining down, and there's just hundreds of these fish, right? You can see them. They kept on coming close, and then the backup come close, and they, and they nibble. So I didn't hook them, but they were nibbling. They were trying it. Y'all follow me? They were taste testing. And in the beginning, I realized that they knew this didn't taste right, but they kept on coming back and coming back and coming back. And eventually, they bit. It's interesting. The strange thing about temptation is this. Often, we will taste test, and we realize this isn't right. And then we come back. And we try again. And then we back up and we say, no, this isn't right. This is, Something's not right. I can, I can see with my eyes something is not right with this. But we come back and we try it again. And eventually we get hooked by the things that we are trying. Because we put ourselves in a place of temptation and it destroys us. Romans chapter 13 verse 14. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I'm going to make this very evident to you. The lust of the eyes is one of those areas in life that appeals the most because you can see it. You can see what you want, and it's so appealing. And you put yourself over and over and over and again in that position to try it, and eventually you bite onto it, and it destroys you. But it didn't end there. There's one more lure. It's not just these two lures. Let me pull that one out before I move on. It's not just these two. There's a third lure. And this lure is very interesting. Let me pull it out here. This lure is interesting because of the wording that Scripture gives us. It's the lure of the pride of life or the pride of life lure. In Luke chapter 4 and verse 9, and he brought him up into Jerusalem, and he brought him to the top of the temple, 200 feet off the ground, right? And he said, why don't you just cast yourself down, and you'll be saved. The angels will intervene. Now, to me, this is not a very appealing thing. I am not going to jump off of any building, even if somebody's going to catch me, even if there's a body of water at the bottom. This is not a temptation for me. But in this moment, the reason why this was such a temptation is because Jesus, at this moment, if He did this, He could in one moment declare that He is God. At this moment, He's not performed one miracle But at this moment, he could perform the greatest of miracles because he could put on this fake, miraculous act of almost death. And yet at the same time, through this false crisis, the people will come to believe in a moment that he is the Son of God. The crowds would gather. They would be amazed by what's taking place. And what's interesting about this, up to this point, Jesus has been combating Satan with scripture, but now Satan flips the the script, and now he's combating Jesus with scripture. He's literally quoting from the book of Psalms. And that's what we see here in this passage of scripture, because he said, you're not going to die, according to verse 10. It is written, the angels will save you. This is the, uh, the, the pride of life lure, and it's represented by anything that exalts itself above God. Let me put it this way. It's those that are hooked by this lure that think to themselves, it's okay. It's okay for me to do it my way instead of your way. I'm not willing to listen to anything you have to say. It's that narcissist mentality. It's that husband that says, hey, listen, kids, I don't care what you say. This is the way it's going to be. And if I'm wrong, they don't ever say I'm sorry for it. That's that pride, that arrogancy this is me, and this is who I am, and this is the way it's going to be. I am so consumed with myself, I can't see anything else. It's, it's that person who would rather lie than tell the truth about their failure. You follow me? And so this lure is before Jesus, and he rejects it. And I'm afraid that that lure may be before somebody in here in this room right now. And I'm going to go into this time that we call invitation because it, it provokes us to think in a positive way. Where's my heart? What am I doing with my life? What kind of lures are there? Right now, some of you are thinking in your mind, I'm not just seeing lures. I'm biting. If you're hooked, you're not only in danger, but those that are closest to you are in danger as well. See, at the end of the night, I was so amped up on catching a fish, I finally gave in, got over that, Pride of life, you know, that lure. And I le- looked at the guy and I said, can you help me? How do I catch those fish that size? And he said, what you're going to have to do, if you want to catch these trout, you're going to have to take a greenback. It's a little minnow. You're going to have to hook it through the fin or the back of the neck or through the gill. But you've got to hook it in such a way it can still swim and look like it's doing just fine. And he said, then the other fish will bite it. He said, the only way you're going to catch this type of fish is you got to use live bait. Not dead bait, not fake bait, live bait. That was such a moment for me because I realized if I'm hooked, I could be the reason my son becomes hooked. If I allow something in my life that is not right and I'm not willing to get past that, That could ruin my wife. If I get bitter toward God because things ain't going my way the way I want it, y'all follow me? Then my wife could easily be hooked and lured by me. Your little boy could be hooked on porn because of you. Your little girl can learn to gossip because of you. Because some of Satan's greatest bait is live bait and it's us. I'm not asking you. I'm begging you to examine your life and look deep in your heart and ask yourself this question. Are you the live bait that Satan is using against your friends and your family? Are you being used by Satan and he's not pulling anything else out of the box because he's got you? He said, but I'm hooked and I don't know where to go from here. I've realized something about fish. There's only two reasons fish get off the hook. One, either the hook isn't deep. If the hook's not deep enough, it's not sunk, then they can get off the hook. And some of you, the hook's not that deep. You're taste testing. You're trying. Some of you have been watching some podcasts that are maybe some false doctrine. That's another fault. That's a fake bait. And you're trying it out and you say, well, I know where I stand. Do you? Do you know where you stand? You better pull back away from that garbage. You say, well, I only click on this. You better pull back from that garbage. You say, I only talk to her this often. We only met. I only, only message her. I don't actually talk on the phone with her. You better pull back from that. Watch. Because the hook isn't sunk just yet. There's another reason why. Those fish get off the hook. It's because they fight. And it depends. Sometimes the smallest fish are the greatest fighters. And they'll fight and fight and fight until finally they get off the hook and they jump back in the water. You say, Dave, what are you trying to say to me? If you want to get unhooked, you better first evaluate how deep's the hook. So, well, we're having premarital sex once in a while. Then you're hooked, but not, it's not deepened. You can get away from that. You can get victory. It's an occasional thing. Well, let's, let's get away from that. And maybe somebody's hooked deep and it's got you. I want to tell you this. You better fight. Fight, 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 and fight again. The only time a fish stops fighting is either it's exhausted or it's dead. You're not dead and God's not done. So fight, fight, fight. You following me? And when you fight, God works. Listen what the Bible says. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's fighting. 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I finished my... I, I finished... My course why because I fought. I've kept the faith. 1 Timothy 6:12. Fight the good fight of faith. Ephesians 6:12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities. Wrestling that means we're fighting. Fight. I'm going to close this out with this. I got addicted to a show that I love. It's called I Survived. It's, it's a documentary, and it tells this miraculous story of these crazy circumstances of how people lived through the worst of things. One was attacked by a mountain lion, another was attacked by a shark, and some were attacked by a serial killer, and they made it through. They were stabbed 27 times or maybe thrown from a train. Craziest things you ever heard. Without fail, the number one thing they said at the end of the show, the reason they survived, when they say I survived, this is the reason why, is because I considered my family and my loved ones and my friends. At that moment, they came into my mind and I said, No, no. Others said, It's because I wasn't done yet. I had a purpose and I'm not done. You can survive, but you better consider your family. Is your, is your marriage worth the fight? Is your kids worth the fight? Is your grandkids worth the fight? Is it worth it? I want you to bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. I cannot tell you how passionate I've been about this topic. It has been so heavy on my heart that I could not get away from it. From that moment that I was standing on the pier in Florida, and I looked out at the sunset, it hit me so hard. I knew I need this. I knew you guys need this. Why? Because we're church family and we're all humans. Everybody in here is a human being. And every one of us are dealing with something. I don't know what it is. I I don't know where you're at. But this message was for you. And you say, how do you know it was for me? Because you're here. And that's not by chance.